0: Change the belt, belt situation. Go out a, b- a couple uh, holes. We got January, February. We can we kind of kind of bring it down. I mean, there's that blip of the 14th of February. That'll there'll be some sort of candy or something involved there, right? All right. Well, how has everybody been doing? Seeing family? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? You don't see it. That it doesn't seem like anybody's too much in a fog. That's good. Well, I um you probably have heard, but I wanted to make sure that everybody heard um, that Jim Mosier passed away this last week. Um, And he's been fighting uh, a bit. Um, It's that bittersweet when a believer goes home, right? Mm -hmm. We are sad um, because we don't get to see him. But we're excited because he's with Jesus. We know he's not suffering. We know that... um, just whenever this happens, it's 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 a reminder. It's a reminder of the bittersweetness of of this life, bittersweetness of our life with Christ. Um, but we love Jim and we love Millie. Um, in a couple weeks, there's going to be a memorial. Um, we'll give you more information as that comes available. Um, but well wishes. She's with her um, her daughter at the moment um, in Kashmir. I think my beard's rustling. Sorry. Um, but um just right now they they want a little bit of a little bit of space but i think in the next coming weeks it'd be good to try to get a hold of her um we can get a number here at the office you can call um to just you know, give your condolences tell her that we love her um, i think she's tired um she's been wrestling a long time and oh <coughs> sorry um been wrestling a long time and and being a great um, helper for Jim. So, um, that being said, I I wanted to um, uh, head into our our message, and and I had a hard time with this. (laughs) Jim and Millie were some of the first people that welcomed me here, and um, some of the first people that called me pastor. Um, One of the, Dearest worship times that I had was sitting in the uh, I can't remember the name of the place uh, Colonial Vista with Jim and Millie and, and my guitar and we worshipped for like an hour and he was just singing in the spirit sometimes um, harder to understand at that point but there was a sweetness there the spirit was there and. Uh, earlier this week, Wednesday, went in and kind of did the same thing a little bit. And um, he wasn't singing, but I could tell that he knew that we were there. Um, Phil, love you, man. You've been loving them a lot. Anyway, this morning we're continuing in our series, that mixtape of joy. And um, the song that I chose to go through this morning is a song that we all know, Amazing Grace. Um, this beautiful song, <coughs> this beautiful song that John Newton wrote um, so many years ago. And I think it very fitting that we're talking about this song today be, because of what ha- is happening in our culture these days. Um, there's a lot of referencing back to, to slavery, to um, injustice, Injustices of the past. Um, I think some people might be, be trying to carry it into our future. Um, I think there's there's definitely good in remembering. There's definitely good in being sure not to repeat the sins of the past. Um, but there's also, there's also something good about remembering the good that came before. That came out of the bad. That came out of... Uh, those times, um, I think it good to have a grasp of this amazing grace that we are given, that all of us are given. And when we see something in in the news that infuriates us and boils our blood, you know, so I, I I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that no longer watch the Seahawks because of the beginning. And people kneeling or not kneeling or not coming out or whatever. And it's hard because I, I, I get everybody's point. I get people's point that like, this is totally disrespectful to our, our soldiers and to our country. But I also get the point that um, there's still injustice in our country. There's still things that are broken that need to be fixed. And there always will be. We get that as, as believers, Right? This world is broken and it's never gonna really be fixed until the Lord comes again. But we are supposed to be peacemakers. And Facebook, Twitter, I, I just have to say the words and we laugh about it, right? But it's kind of like, it's a biting laugh, isn't it? Because it's, it's become a place where people grandstand and, and say hurtful things to their neighbors, to their family. I hear people, uh, that will tear each other apart. And is that what makes our country great? No. What made our country great is the fact that we were centered. We were a Christ-centered country. We never hear that anymore, right? We were, we were a country that was, that was founded on those, the, those Judeo-Christian beliefs. And yet, we also allowed for people to choose. Because we feel like that's, that's what God did for us. So as a country, we felt like that was important for people to be able to choose their way. That's that amazing grace. Unmerited favor, we've heard that, right? And this story is so timeless and it matters now as well as it did before. John Newton, he was a sailor of sailors. He was one you did not want, you probably wouldn't have wanted to sit in a conversation with John Newton when he was a sailor. Because he was actually known, um, I I read a couple things where he was known to make, make other sailors blush with his language. He was that guy in the group that, went over the line. We've all had those guys in our group, right? If you don't know who that guy was, it probably was you. Um, <laughs> but there was, there's always been that, that guy in the group, right, that, that always goes over the top. And if you think about sailors, how we always reference people with a, a mouth like a sailor, right? And he was worse than the rest of them. And he was a captain of a slaving ship. We know that. That was a, a blemish on his, uh, his walk with the Lord, so to speak. At least in a worldly sense. I don't think Jesus saw him that way. But his mother, I don't know if you know this, John Newton's mother would pray for him for years. Because when, when he was a boy, she saw him as being a A preacher. And she felt that he, he was going to be a preacher, and she prayed in faith for years. And he was out being a being a sailor and being the way sailors are, and he became a captain. Um, and then there, there was this one storm that they had, where they were bailing out the ship, and he got too tired to be able to bail with everybody else, so they tied him to the helm to keep them on on track, on course. And he was on there um, from somewhere around noon till late late at night. And it was during this time that that he, he had an encounter with God. He remembered some of the things that his mom had been praying for him or telling him, scriptures that she had yelled out at him. And he was changed forever in that storm. Let's pray for some revelation this morning as God reveals his heart to us. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. We, we thank you for, for John Newton, and, and God, we thank you for the good and the bad. Um, he went through some dark places, and it is such a story for us to, a testimony for us to hear, a testimony for us to, to receive, and we just pray, God, that you would give us revelation this morning. Reveal your heart to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this is the song. And I'm going to give you the entirety. We didn't sing the entirety this morning. Um, we'll see if you if you recognize all these verses. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed? Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come, so his grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The Lord has promised good to me, his word my hope secures, he will my shield and portion be as long as life endures, yea, when my flesh and heart shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil, the life of joy and peace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine. And when we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first There is so much to this amazing grace. There's such a story behind this amazing grace, is there not? The fact that this song has lasted so long and impacts generation after generation since. It just screams unmerited favor. You know, it, it, it screams it, but I don't know, I don't know that we hear it today. I don't know that we hear that we have an unmerited favor in this country beyond just that saving grace, don't we? We've been given so much favor, favor upon favor upon favor. And when we get to the point where we're hollering at each other on a fake world, a fake neighborhood that we can yell at each other Behind the screen of our computers and tablets and phones, I think we've lost sight of what that emerited favor feels like. not just looks like, but feels like. We have been given such grace with this life that we lead. First Peter, if you want to turn there with me, um, Chapter five. Too far there. First Peter five, this is ten and eleven, says this. In his kindness God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, I mean, we see suffering these days, He will restore, support, and strengthen you, and He will place you on a firm foundation. All the power to him forever. Amen. We struggle, right? We wrestle. We, we suffer. And yet through it all, we grow. Do we think about that when we're struggling? When we're suffering? Do we think about the growth that, that the Holy Spirit is causing in us, this in the midst of those sufferings, he, he's not causing the sufferings, but he's making good of the bad. Our God makes the good or the bad good. Can we agree with that? Joy comes in this growth, so we've been talking about joy, and I think you can't talk about the joy without talking about hard things, and our first point is joy is founded in grace. Joy is founded in grace. Grace is established in our weakness, in our lack. When we lack things, that's where his grace is all the more. If we don't lack anything, are we going to notice the grace? Have you known people that they just don't seem to lack anything? How gracious is their life? John Newton's mother prayed for her son. And she didn't just pray, you know, unicorns and rainbows kind of prayers for her son. I think she prayed some pretty, pretty hard prayers for her son. I think she prayed some, um, some fire upon his head kind of prayers. Mama's in the room. Come on. Come on. Have you prayed some of those for your kids? You know, in the verse that stood out to John Newton when he was tied to the helm and he's out there on the ship and it was a stormy night, he was thinking of Proverbs 1, 23 through 31, says, come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice. And rejected the correction I offered, so I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm. Huh? A storm. When disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you, when they when they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me, for they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. That's one of those harsh mama prayers, right? Come on. Is it, this is what you, what you want to be praying for your kid? Pray for them to struggle, To wrestle to suffer. Ouch. But we don't want to give our kids everything, right? Well, we do. I mean, let's be honest. But we also want to give them wisdom and grace mercy. We want them to to have a a sense of justice, to have a sense of, of of what that suffering brings, that perseverance that that suffering can bring. And, and if they're struggling with something, being able to help them understand that that struggle can be a joy, right? And I, I don't put it past God in this situation with John Newton that he, he had um, his mom tell him about this, this uh, scripture, maybe even not just reading it to him, but like yelling it at him kind of angry at, at the fact he's not listening. And somewhere down the road, that sunk in, and he heard it enough that when he was out there on that ship, it's like God went, you know what, I'm going to bring a storm over here just to remind John Newton. Because I've got a plan for him. And I love him. He's got a mouth like a sailor, but I love him. I mean, he, he loved those, those fishermen. They were sailors. They were probably knuckleheads. He's like, I love John Newton. Anybody see, uh, uh, what was that? I, uh, not, um, I can never pronounce it. There was a movie that um, talked about this. Steven Spielberg, I think, directed it. and uh, It's a slave ship. And um, One of the things that got me is when the slave ship um, was running out of food for the, the slaves. They'd only take so much food because they, could only they were, were trying to carry as many slaves as they could. And the heartbreaking thing is they would take a whole chain of slaves and they'd push them overboard because they needed to split up the, the food differently to make it to shore. Huh? Oh, the Amistad. Um, and they showed this in the movie and it was just just heartbreaking. And you got to think. The captain's got to make those kind of decisions. Right? So John Newton, very likely, if you talked to him, he would say he had committed all of the ten commandments. He broke all of those, right? I mean, we break all of those in our hearts with what Jesus said. I mean, murder, it's just thinking it about somebody, your your boss or somebody on the freeway or, you know, we all break those things. But he, he really did. And God loved him. From that time, uh, from time to time, I wonder if, if, if there was anyone when I was growing up that was praying for me to struggle, praying for me to go through those things. Because growing up, I, I struggled with school. I struggled with relationships, with home life. I, I've told you before, I, w- I was homeless a little while, my mom and I, um, a couple times. At the time, I just couldn't understand that struggle. I couldn't understand that wrestle. But I can't trade that for anything. I wouldn't trade that for anything because it was something that was a foundation in me for growth. And when I recognized that, when I realized that those things were something that that out of that could come something that could impact somebody else, I would not only not trade it, but if given the opportunity, I would live through it again. And that's, I think that's what Jesus does for us. Every time someone comes to him, he goes to the cross. He goes through that for each and every one of us. He would go through it every single time for everybody in this room and beyond. It wasn't just the once I mean, it was the once, but you know what I'm saying. He would have done it if he had to do that to to pay that debt for each and every one of us individually. He would have. The uh, second one is joy is built in adversity. Joy is built in adversity. Think about this. When, when um, you, you heard the old the old saying, it's it's at the top of your your sheet here. The, no pain, no gain. You heard that with, work, you know, working out, or it used to be a, if you have no pain, no gain, and just actually kind of bad, because if there's pain, then maybe stop, check and see if you blew out your knee, or, you know, if you're, you know, there's, there's a few things that can be painful that might not be a good idea, but there is something to the idea of when you when you work out, there's that breaking down of muscles, right, to build those muscles up. You have to tear the muscles for the muscles to build, right? It's so Counterintuitive. It's almost a paradox, right? It seems like it, it's not the right thing to break your muscles down, but but yet it is. You think about. Um, you ever heard the story of uh, uh, Michelangelo? Um, some of the most beautiful pieces of, I mean, paintings, obviously, but but he would do uh, marble statues, and, and that was his like. I mean, it's like painting is one thing, but to be able to sit and do the story about him. He would go out um, to the uh, the marble pits and he would choose a piece, um, usually early in the morning, so that he could kind of see the sunrise and he could see, he, he would he'd wa- watch it as the light changed and he'd be able to see what was inside of that marble. He said he could see it and all he had to do was chip away the rock to get at the statue. And that is such a story about us, right? There is something beautiful that God is creating us to be, and it's not for this life. I mean, it is in this life, and it it is for this life, but ultimately, we are not done until we're before the Lord. Does that make sense? It is for this life, but it's beyond this life. There's there's that chiseling and chipping and breaking that has to happen for all that rock. It doesn't just fall away, and there you are, David. David. You know what I mean? It has to be chiseled at and shaped. And, and there, there is a lot of care that goes into that. There's a point where it's no longer the big chunks getting chipped away. It's getting down to little chips. And then, and then like some abrasive cloth. And then buffing. So it gets easier, I guess. But it's always a constant shaping that's happening. Pain is felt by the artist to create a masterpiece. Musically, painting, whatever. You can even see that in in works that people, very talented people that have created inventions that help out our lives throughout the years. They have the same dedication that artists do. They go through the same kind of weird, painful lives that that artists do. James, uh, for, uh, James 1, um, it, it really speaks to this, and, and I think sometimes we, we miss this without hearing all of that about pain and, and struggle and wrestle and breaking and, and all of that that goes on, but James 1, 2 through 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, Your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. There is such a potential in us. That which is broken in us, God makes new. Let me say that again. That which is broken in us, God makes new. He builds us, He builds in us a joy that, that cannot be taken away. Happiness can be taken away. You'd be like, I've got my coffee, and then somebody drives by and slush all up your pants. What happens to your happiness? You, you go from like, instantly, but when you have that joy that He instills inside of us, and you're in a joyful place, you're like, eh, whatever. Bring it, I got it. I can overcome that because I've overcome greater things through him. Or he can, yeah, anyway. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Those things that we overcome, we overcome in Christ. In our weakness, he is made strong. That joy is made strong. Isaiah 29, uh, 19 says, the humble will be filled with fresh joy from the, from the Lord. The poor will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Um, uh, Matthew 23, 12 says, he says, uh, never again will you rejoice, O daughter of Sidon, for you have been crushed. Even if you flee to Cyprus, you will find no rest. When when we're in that place of being poor in spirit, (laughs) when we're in that place of being poor in spirit, um, we find ourselves in a realm that is susceptible to the joy of the Lord. I kind of wanted to say that in a little different way because I think sometimes we, we think it's all about what, what we do to get that joy. But I think that be, you know, being poor in spirit, we're just susceptible to God's joy at that point. Does that make sense? Because if we're, we're like wealthy in spirit, which I don't know if we ever are, it's, it's, it's like not a humble place. That's a pride place, right? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Yet, I I think humility kind of rises up even in those moments. And it's like, well, maybe not. Maybe I'm not doing so good. Our third point is joy is enjoyed in humility. It's really the place that that joy really happens is in a place of humility. The things that happen in our life, the pains, the struggles, the, the... wrinkles that we find, you know, they're all about bringing us to a humble place where we can be before the Lord naked and unashamed. Right? Because that's where Adam and Eve were. They were, they were <laughs> naked and unashamed until they got to know, ate the apple, or whatever fruit, you know, historians say. But they, they knew themselves to be naked. And and I think we're just making that cycle back (laughs) to being able to be our naked selves before God. Joy is enjoyed in humility. Uh, The true enemy of joy is pride. So if you want any one thing to eliminate from your life this next season, to experience the joy of the Lord, it's pride. Pride. It's always pride, isn't it? What's the one thing that you wrestle with? Well, I, I have this and that. No, no, pride. Everything can be boiled down to it, can it? All of our sins can be boiled down to that pride. Or at least letting go of those sins can be boiled down to, those, to pride. Because we don't, we don't think anybody can fix us. We get into that place where it's like, well, you know, Jesus can do this, this, and this, but he can't fix this in me. Really? Your pride's going to come between you and the Lord? Or are you going to allow yourself to get to that place where your pride is stripped away, that you're stripped down and bare before God, and you're just going, I have nothing but you? Pride seems to be the enemy of quite a bit. Pride isn't just the the enemy of our our joy, but it's it's so much the enemy of our relationships, the enemy of our community, the enemy on Facebook. My side's better. I'm so done with politics. I really am. You know what? Please, I I just want all the puppy... videos, all the cat videos, all the pictures of kids that people have on Facebook. I just want that, and I want no more of grandstanding about whose side is right. Because if it's about being right, then I don't, I mean, being right over, over being loving, being righteously indignant over, over being a community, um, I don't want it. I don't take a stand. For those kind of things, because most of the stuff you see on Facebook or other social media or or even in just the news that you want to throw your remote control at your TV about is is all about somebody 's pride we didn 't win, so we 're going to destroy the other side, or we won, so boom you know it 's like a high school um, Grade school locker room or something. I, I, mean, I don't even know if they don't have locker rooms in grade school. But, but you know what I'm saying? It's like out on the, out on the, uh, the playground with the grade school kids, you know, d- dishing all these little retorts back and forth. And little and That's what it sounds like. It sounds like a bunch of kids. <coughs> and we are to be the peacemakers in this. So we have to insert ourselves in somehow, but we need to bring about peace. And I, um, you know, God is repulsed by pride. God is repulsed by these kind of things, and yet in the humble is found connection with a living God. So how we, we take those things, how we respond to those things, how we respond to people in our community, it matters how we respond. It's not just about, I mean, we wanna respond in love, but it could be just responding in gratitude or responding um, like, oh, I can see your point of view. Don't have to agree with it. I mean, what, what happened to the, our country where we, we couldn't listen to somebody's um, scathing retort about something and, and not just be like, oh, okay, that's a great point of view. How are you doing? Do you know that God loves you? And not using it as, God loves you because you think that way, you know. or <laughs> Let's set our things aside. Um, as, we, as we come into this new year, we're, we're gonna, next weekend, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to take a little bit of time to, to just kind of reassess, talk about where we're going, talk about some ideas that we have, um, and just, you know, just trim the sails a little bit. Um, I think we're all going in the right direction. I think our our church is doing well. Uh, We love one another, and I think we're gonna step into a year of going out and find some more people to love. Can we do that together, you think? Well, will not you stand with me? We're just gonna pray and um, send you out. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the grace that you have given us,